Good morning and welcome to worship this morning at Barclay View for Church. Those we are, however, now allowed to use the balcony. And so we have 14 additional spaces up there, so we can take um, between 14 and however many folk uh, come and fit into groups uh, and so on up there. Uh, so it means that more of us can gather together each Sunday. And uh, I would encourage you to think about it. If you've, if you've not been coming, um, maybe because you thought, oh, well, there's, there's maybe not enough space or, or whatever. There's plenty of space now. Uh, and I would encourage you to, to think about joining us. We know that some folks are still a bit nervous and anxious, but we do keep things safe. Uh, masks are worn and distances are uh, adhered to and all of that stuff. And so uh, I would encourage you to, to think about coming. Um, you will still need to book, uh, and you do that by contacting the office up until the Thursday before the Sunday you're coming. And on Pentecost Sunday, which is two weeks today, we're going to have uh, an all-age service. And that's to, to get families and children hopefully back uh, together with us, because after that, we're going to reopen for uh, the, the children and uh, the, the young people. And uh, that's going to be a kind of drop-off and pick-up at the door of the hall, just to keep everything safe and right. Um, and again, you will need to book in for that. As we head toward Pentecost, we're giving everyone an opportunity to join us again for uh, another virtual prayer room, a 24-7 uh, prayer room from 11 o'clock on Saturday the 22nd of May through to 11 o'clock on Sunday the 23rd of May. And then our service together will be a celebration uh, of Pentecost and that time uh, of praying together. As well as that, there's um, an event that's been happening each year for a number of years leading up to Pentecost, the 10 days leading up to Pentecost. This year from the, the 13th, so that's Thursday coming, to the 23rd of May. And 24-7 Prayer Scotland are encourages, encouraging churches across Scotland to link up and to fill uh, those 10 days with prayer. You can find more about that by going onto the 24-7 Scotland uh, website. It's part of an initiative called Thy Kingdom Come, which sees Christians all over the world joining together in prayer for those 10 days that people would come to know Jesus. And churches across Edinburgh are joining together during those 10 days to pray. And you can find details of how to sign up for that on Facebook. Or if you don't do the internet, but you would like to take an hour to pray, if you let Julie at the office know, we'll put your name in for you and we'll know that you're praying during that time. Part of the whole um, Thy Kingdom Come story uh, came from prayer, and it came from people getting together and asking for Holy Spirit to come to, to fill them. And, and that's kind of the theme of, of today. Is as we go through, you'll, you'll see the songs and, and all of that stuff uh, as we go through. And now uh, Nat is going to do a reading. The reading this morning is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 to 12. Intelligibility in worship. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening encouraging and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. 
I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I am a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Last Sunday, we saw that there were a number of issues uh, at the church in Corinth. And because the Lord's Supper was celebrated as part of a full meal, some people had arrived early and they were already eating, they were being greedy, some were getting drunk, and some were arriving and there was nothing left. Some people were overly emphasizing gifts of tongues, and those who had that gift appeared to have felt themselves more important than others in the congregation. Because of this, Paul had reinforced the importance of all of the gifts that God gives. Using the analogy of the body, Paul concluded that each believer has a significant and important part to play in the body of Christ, and that all are necessary for that body to function properly. And you know what? That hasn't changed. All of God's people have gifts that are expected to be used to build up the body on earth. Then in chapter 13, Paul speaks about love. He reinforces the fact that without love, spiritual gifts are of limited value. And at the end of chapter 13, he says that we should desire, go after, pursue love. And then in chapter 14, of course, that's an artificial separation. Uh, It was put in there when they put in chapters and verses so it was easier to find things. But he goes straight on in our chapter 14 to say that we need to follow the way of love. Or as the message version puts it, go after a life of love as if your life depended on it. Because it does. In essence, that's the summary of chapter 13. Pursue the way of love. He goes on to say that we should eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. And that appears to take us back to chapter 12 and verse 31, where he says that we should eagerly desire the greater gifts. And then he puts in this bit about love. And now he's going back to the greater gifts. Paul says that he wants those in the church to excel at building other people up with spiritual gifts as an application of the love that he's just spoken about. Paul says the reason that prophecy is superior to tongues is that it's understandable. He argues that speaking in a tongue is is between the speaker and God. The speaker benefits, but the wider congregation doesn't. If someone prophesies, the whole body is built up because the words that come from God are understood. 
So someone who prophesies builds up the body, but someone who speaks in a tongue builds themselves up unless there's an interpretation. And much of the chapter then is concerned with widening the explanation and understanding of that difference between tongues and prophecy. As an example, he says that if everyone spent time in worship speaking in tongues and an unbeliever came in, they would have no idea what on earth was going on. They would have no way of understanding any of it. And they would think that the believers had simply lost their minds. However, if that unbeliever came in and people were prophesying, God could use those words of prophecy to speak directly into the life of the unbeliever. And he goes on then to give them uh, instructions about the conduct of worship, concluding that everything should be done properly in a good and orderly way. Well, we took that bit to heart, didn't we? If Paul came to visit most of our churches today, he would have little cause to chastise us for disorderly and excessive use and displays of spiritual gifts. Consequently, most of us reading 1 Corinthians 14 might be inclined to kind of go, so what? We don't have that problem. Indeed, people who wrote up the lectionaries, that is a list for each Sunday of four Bible readings on a three-year cycle, they obviously thought it wasn't important either because it's not in them. However, I think it is really important. I think it speaks to issues that are, are current and relevant for us in the church today. First of all, it speaks about building community. The overriding concern that Paul shares in these three chapters is that the members of the church worship collaboratively in a way that builds up the community through the participation of each member. Paul emphatically insists that worship is not just a time for private spiritual blessing. I don't know if you've ever, at the end of a service, heard somebody say, I get nothing out of that. I know I have. <laughs> but that's, that's not right. It's not about me and I. It's about we and us. We don't come to get Although we do get, we do receive, we are blessed, but that's not the focus. It's a time for members of the community to share God's gift with each other so that all of them may be learned and, and, and be encouraged. From verse 26 of chapter 14, Paul talks about how to maintain order when everyone has something to offer in worship. For many congregations, understanding uh, that style of worship would constitute a revolution of consciousness. It's really not all about the minister, don't you know? It's really not. So our first big question for today is this. How does our style of meeting and worship actually serve the desire of building community? If we are to take 1 Corinthians 14 seriously, then we might to need to think more about including different styles and different voices and different forms of worship. Secondly, it talks about focusing on the message rather than uh, the medium. Paul seeks to bring discipline to the use of spiritual gifts by addressing the attitude of the speaker or the user of the gifts 
and also by insisting on the importance of the message that's conveyed through the use of those gifts. See, when people were coming along, they were saying, oh, I speak in tongues, and I'm, I'm just going to do this, and actually that makes me more important than you. That, that's just not right. But even in our context, God can use a preacher or teacher to bring instruction, challenge, encouragement, and consolation, but even then that message can be lost if he or she is, for example, full of self-importance and pride, making it more about me than the message. For some people, the style, whether it be traditional, contemplative, or charismatic, or whatever in between, that style can become more important than the message. And Paul rightly insists that the proper use of spiritual gifts is to build up the church through proclaiming and interpreting the gospel. And then it's about order without hierarchy. One of the most remarkable things about chapter 14 is that Paul never seeks to solve the problem of order in worship by telling them to stick to the liturgy or to follow the leadership of the minister or preacher. In fact, the evidence of the letter as a whole suggests that there was no established authority structure at all within the church in Corinth, and maybe that was part of the problem. It may be that the absence of that kind of structure might have contributed to the problems of order that Paul then had to write to them about. However, it would be wrong to conclude that the situation in Corinth was such an unmitigated disaster that Paul has to move them in the direction of more institutionalized church structure, which he does talk about in letters to other churches. In fact, Paul gives thanks for the very real gifts and graces that were clear in this community. What if we tried Paul's vision for worship as set out in this chapter for a few months? Does it deserve more merit than the church has historically given it? Paul pictures a church in which all of the members wait together for the moving of the Spirit and all take responsibility for discerning what God is saying to them. Could we learn to listen to the Spirit in that way? Should we? If we did, would we stand to gain something that has been lost? Might we discover a new openness to the power of the Spirit working in us and through us? And then it's about welcoming the Spirit. The emergence of the charismatic renewal movement in the 20th century made Paul's specific teaching on tongues and prophecy relevant again in the West. And it may be that there are some churches in which Paul's cautionary words and disciplinary restrictions on the use of these gifts need to be heard again. However, I suspect that for a much greater number, 1 Corinthians 14 might serve a different function. Rather than warning of the dangers of excess, this chapter might beckon us to a window through which we glimpse a strange new world of spiritual power. And in case you're thinking that none of this is particularly Presbyterian, I want very briefly to take you back to the time of the Reformation and quote from the book Surprised by the Voice of God by Dr. Jack Deere. You might know that one of the main concerns of the Reformers was to, uh, to maintain and to uphold the unique authority of Scripture. And their cry was, sola scriptura, 
the Scriptures alone. That was the authority. And so they uh, rejected the claims to miracles and prophetic inspiration in both the Catholic and Anabaptist traditions. So you might expect that there was no use of spiritual gifts. There were no prophetic people in uh, the, the church in Scotland at the time of the Reformation. Well, George Wishart was only 33 years old when he was burned at the stake in St. Andrews. And if you go there, there's a plaque on the pavement to, to remember that event. That was in 1546. Some of you might have heard of John Knox. Well, he wrote about Wishart, and he said this. He, he was not only singularly learned as well in godly knowledge as in all honest human science, but he also, he was so clearly illuminated with the spirit of prophecy that he saw not only things pertaining to himself, but also such things as some towns and the whole realm afterwards felt, which he forspake not in secret, but in the audience of many. Here's a man who is listening to God and hearing from God and bringing messages from God for himself and for the nation. And for that, he was burnt at the stake. John Knox thought that he had a prophetic ministry. And at that time in Scotland, many people would have recognized that in him. John Welsh was an extraordinarily godly man of whom it is said, he reckons the day ill-spent if he stays not seven or eight hours in prayer. He was the minister of a church in Ayr, and during his time there, the plague was raging across Scotland. Sounds kind of familiar. But Ayr had been spared. And one day, two traveling merchants came to the city gates with horses packed with reams of cloth, and they were refused entry. And Welsh was called to make a decision as to whether they should be let in or not. And so he prayed. And after praying for a while, he advised the magistrates of the city to turn them away because he feared that they were bringing plague in the cloth. And so they, they were sent on their way. And they, they went to the town of Cumnock, which is about 20 miles away. And just as he had feared, they had brought plague in the cloth. And so many people died in the village of Cumnock that there were hardly enough to bury the dead. I don't have time this morning to speak of miraculous events around the time of the Covenanters or to talk more even of Alexander Peden, whose prophetic ministry was so outstanding that he was called Prophet Peden. Suffice to say that prophecy and spiritual gifts are in the DNA of our denomination. If we truly believe the Bible to be the Word of God, then we need to pray for the gift of prophecy and all the other gifts to be taken up by the whole people of God. And that includes you and me. And so will we take up the challenge? It's about building up the church. It's about building up the Christian community and the wider community to show and demonstrate and proclaim the love of God for people. God gives us these gifts to be used. Will we use them? Almost lastly, it's not just for the insiders. The message version puts uh, verses 23 to 25 like this. 
if you come together as a congregation and some unbelieving outsiders walk in on you as you're all praying in tongues, unintelligible to each other and to them, won't they assume that you've taken leave of your senses and get out of there as fast as they can? But if some unbelieving outsiders walk in in a service where people are speaking out God's truth, the plain words will bring them up against the truth and probe their hearts before you know it. They're going to be on their faces before God, recognizing that God is among you. Would what we do together on Sunday mornings enable unbelievers to experience the presence of God? Simply doing what's I been will sooner or later see the church die. Yes, we might like it. Yes, we might be encouraged and blessed by it. But it's not just for us. Are we willing to see things change if it allows us to draw closer to God? And one last question. It is in a number of parts, so bear with me. We've not yet had one meeting of the full congregation since I became minister. And so I have to say, I don't know the answer to this question. But if Paul was writing to us, what would he say? What are the issues that we have been blind to? And what will we do about it? Amen. And now Helen is going to do our prayers for others. A few weeks ago at the prayer course, we were encouraged to think about things that have been on the news and to pray into various news stories. And I thought today that I would do that with three different subjects. The problem is that when something comes onto the news, you tend to react at the time and then it ends up going down to the list of priorities it gets taken off news pages and online and so on and yet the problems are still there so first of all i want to think through the situation with the uh, covid in india so let's pray god our father we pray for india and for the horrendous problems that they're having at the moment with COVID. Lord, we pray that you will help supplies to get through. So many countries have sent things, but they're just, the infrastructure just isn't allowing them to get to where they're needed. Lord, we pray about that and pray that somehow these supplies will be able to get through. And for the shortage of vaccines as well, that they too might be able to get through to the right people. Lord, we pray for the people who are involved in this, for those who are working on the front line in the hospitals, who are working 24-7 trying to help these people, but without the supplies, they're having to turn people away. Lord, we pray that you will give them the, the strength to be able to keep on coping in spite of all the busyness. 
help them, Lord, as they have to make awful decisions about who should get oxygen and who shouldn't. And Lord, we pray as well for those who have been affected. Our, our, the television screens were, were haunting the images of people coming and pleading to be able to be seen and yet not being able to be helped. Lord, this is not what you want. You're the God of love and you're the God of the poor. People desperately being turned away is not your way. Lord, we pray that you will take over in this situation, that the supplies will be sent to where they're needed, that people will get the help that they need, and that they'll be able to recover from this pandemic. Another area where, again, it's gone back down into the bottom part of the news anymore, is the situation in Myanmar or Burma. So we pray for Burma now. Lord, it's been such a long history of problems with them, problems with the uh, army military commanders taking over the country and really became be behaving like bullies. Lord, we pray for them. We pray for that land. We pray for those who are wanting democracy, who are wanting peace, who are wanting just to be able to get on with their own lives. For those in the National League for Democracy and their leader Aung, Aung San Suu Kyi. Lord, we pray that you will step into that situation. We pray for those who are directly involved for those who have been trained in the military, those who have been trained to kill and to maim, some of them such young lads. Lord, we pray that you will help them to think about what they're doing. Think about the suffering that they're causing. And we ask for peace there. And for those who are so desperately affected, people who are being killed, people who are being injured, people who just go to be part of a silent protest and who end up in hospital or worse. Pray for those who are directly affected by those who have died. Pray for those who have had to go into hiding, into the jungle. Pray for those who are needing to have food and medical help. And Lord, we pray that that will come. Lord, that's not your way either. You're a God of peace. We pray that you will step into that situation and bring about the best possible solution. Lord, thank you that you care about every single one of these people. And then finally, Lord, the elections, the Scottish elections, which were held on Thursday. Lord, you know, you know the people that you have chosen to be in charge. The people who are in power at the moment, people who've been elected to Parliament. And Lord, we pray that you will give them wisdom, help them not to be self-seeking, 
help them not to be looking for self-advancement, but help them, Lord, to try to run the country efficiently and well, to be able to completely get control of the COVID situation and then beyond as they look to what else needs to be done. Lord, it doesn't matter which political party they belong to. We pray, Lord, for peace, for justice, and Lord, for wise leadership. Lord, when Solomon asked for wisdom, you gave him the wisdom to be able to rule his country. Lord, we pray that for our leaders. Lord, we pray particularly for those who are elected to Parliament who know and love you. And we pray, Lord, that their influence will be felt amongst the nation. Lord, thank you that you care about so many things that are big things in the news. But Lord, you also care about us as individuals. You know when we're unhappy. You know when we're desperate. You know when we're in need of comfort. You know when we have been subject to, to bullying behaviour. And Lord, we thank you that you are there with us, that your arms are underneath us, and that you have promised never to leave us. Amen. The tune you will certainly know. The Spirit came as promised. So as we go into this week, be filled with God's Spirit to love, to serve Him, to build community in the church and in the wider world.